Welcome to the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. It's April 29, 2013, and this is episode 370. Today, I'm going to update you on some of my current favorite photography-related iPhone and iPad apps. Looking back, I've done two previous episodes on photography-related iPad apps, starting with episode 246 back in June of 2010, and again in October 2011 with episode 304. As how I use these devices and the devices themselves continue to evolve, I figured I'd take a little time today to update you on some of my current favorites and I thought I'd include some of the iPhone specific apps that I use as well as iPad. I'm not going to list every photography related app I have, but these are the main ones that I use regularly. I'm still very much in love with the 500px iPad app and it is now both an iPad and iPhone app and both have been significantly refined since I first started using the iPad version. As I've mentioned in the past I do like the grid of square icons for each of the images and that's probably why I'm not a huge fan of the flow section where they're laid out in their true or native aspect. I am not one for using my phone or iPad for social media unless I'm traveling and I'm checking into Facebook and things like that. And so probably the other reason that I don't really like Flow is because it's full of what people that I'm following are favoriting and commenting on. And I really just don't care. I use the 500px apps to get blown away by the quality of work that the editors selected or the images that are currently popular, which is a more democratic way of doing it, I imagine. But that's really the, the main reason that I pick, pick up my iPhone now or iPad and look at the, the 500px app. So I usually switch straight to the popular or the editor's choice views and just flick through screen after screen of beautiful, inspiring photography. These are served up in the square grid format, which just feels better to me for this kind of presentation. When I want to see the full-sized image in its native ratio, I just have to tap on it. The only thing that I wish could be changed is that it would be great if they could use any spare bandwidth in the background to download the full-size images so we don't have to wait when we tap on the, the thumbnails. Looking at a low-resolution square image at full-size, you know, like blown up to the back to the size of the screen uh, and then downloading while we're watching it is a bit of a pain. I understand that downloading image after image without you know, with a very low probability that the viewer will actually tap on every one of them, it is not really practical, but it would be nice. A great alternative, though, and a great feature in itself, is that there is now a slideshow button on the iPad version of the app, which does load every image beforehand, you know, so it, you're getting a full screen, fully resed in image. There's nothing to wait for, and the images look beautiful. 
You can even select music from your device to play in the background. The slideshows have been really well thought out and this is quickly becoming my favourite way to view with a track or two of my favourite music for accompaniment. It's also nice to be able to favourite or like an image right there, you know, you can, e you can even comment right there in the app, even as the slideshows are progressing, you just tap on the screen and the controls to add your comments or favourites just appear. Adding images to favourites enables you to view galleries of just your favourite images. You can also view your own 500px images, which could be useful for showing others your work, especially with a sli in slideshow mode. It actually turns into quite a sophisticated presentation. All in all, the 500px app just keeps getting better and better, and I'd hate to be without it now on my iPhone as well as the iPad. Note as we move on that I have put screenshots and uh, links to all of these applications in the App Store in the blog post at mb mbp.ac slash 370-370. And next up is a great app that I think Chris Marquardt told me about when he joined me for one of my winter tours this year. It's the pocket light meter. One of the most liberating things about the iPhone is that although it may not be quite as good as carrying a specific tool or device around, there are some things that it can do well enough to save you from carrying an extra piece of gear with you. And pocket light meter is a great example of this. I own a $500 light meter that I do use from time to time, but with live view and the histogram in the camera, I don't carry a light meter with me all the time. But if I can have one in my pocket inside the iPhone that I always have with me, this is a great second best, especially for educational purposes, and it works surprisingly well. Another benefit of this being a phone app is that you can save photos under log of what you you know what you've metered and even add notes you know text notes to help you to figure out what you were thinking or doing when you go back to your images later this may not be so useful when shooting digital but if you shoot film this could even be an alternative to having EXIF data that is embedded into your image, you know, your digital photos, and that we have come to rely on so much as a way of learning and correcting our mistakes, as well as you know, a general reference. You can use Lightmeter for free if you don't mind the ads being displayed at the top of the screen, but for a dollar, maybe 99 cents, I'm paying in yen, uh, but probably for 99 cents you can get rid of the ads and for $5 you can buy the developer a pint, which is what I did and I think it's well worth it. One of the most expensive iPad apps that I've bought so far is Shoot and Sell at $79.99. But you won't hear me complaining about the price. I'm not one for buying expensive things and then complaining about the price unless the product doesn't live up to it and that's not the case with this app. 
Shoot and Sell is a commercial tool to create mock-ups of your images, framed or as gallery wraps, both in single or multi-image displays, and it enables you to show them in a display environment. You can select from a series of stock backgrounds that come with the app, or you can buy additional sets of stock backgrounds from within the app. We'll look at some of the stock background examples shortly, but in addition to them, you can shoot your own images and load them into the app from your camera roll, Flickr, or from your Dropbox. I carry all of my best work around with me on the iPad, so it's really easy to create a mock-up of what an image would look like framed and on various walls, including, of course, your client's wall. If you were actually visiting a client's house or office, and they wanted to see a certain image and what it looks like finished and on the wall, you can create it right there and then with the camera in the iPad. On the blog at mbp.ac370 or in the enhanced version of the podcast, if you're listening on an iPad, iPod, iPhone or in iTunes, you'll see the images as we progress. But here is an example a uh, little bit embarrassed to show you this, but uh, this is an example that I did in my living room uh, straight after buying the app. I was basically trying to sell my wife on the idea of a three gallery wrap triptych. And it's not, you know, the photo's not quite straight, which is the main reason I'm embarrassed. Um, but it was just shot in the iPad itself. And I'm sure it's enough to give you the an idea, but, you know, I... I really like the idea of actually just placing a mock-up in the environment with shadows and everything. And I haven't quite won the sale yet, as my wife values her white space downstairs. Uh, and, you know, I, I won't make a penny from this particular sale, but I'm going to keep working on that one because I really want to get some work in the main part of the house and not just in my studio here. Here's another example and this time it's using one of the stock backgrounds from within the app. Note that this is a screenshot of the app itself so that you can get an idea of some of the controls and the screen layout. But when you're actually using the app to create a commercial mock-up, you export the images to your camera roll or Dropbox or via email, etc. Note too that when you're shooting your own image for use within the app, they advise that you include something in the shot of a known length so that you can scale your, your artwork correctly. This also enables you to show accurate dimensions in the labels that are automatically attached to each display. There's also a comprehensive array of simple frames in various sizes and a number of tasteful colours. The app also contains a series of organic bloom frames, which are mock-ups of the frames from a company of the same name. Now, if organic bloom frames were a sensible bunch, they'd make these available for free, not $34.99. Why? Because if people like them, they are likely to want to hook up with this company for their framing. Also, if someone is already buying their frames from Organic Bloom, why should they have to pay extra for these frames to show to their customers? 
I'm happy to pay the high price, you know, for a quality app that serves a very specific commercial purpose. But this is the only thing that I can't really understand from a marketing perspective. That one gripe aside though, here's another example with a simple black 1 inch framed 22 by 50 inch print with a 3 inch mat, all of which is customizable and I'd love to see this on a real wall. Note too that in this screenshot I have the color adjustment controls visible to show you that you can change the color of the walls and furniture in the stock photos that come with the app, which is very useful and increases the overall experience immensely. As I don't do a lot of paid portrait work, for me the main use of this app will be to sell my fine art prints to potential customers. But if you are shooting for families and selling them prints, you could probably make your money back on this app during your first consultation. It just looks so good to see the finished work on the wall, especially if it was the customer's wall and the photographs were of themselves. I can also see applications for using Shoot and Sell to experiment with wall layouts for a gallery exhibition. You could photograph all of the presentation walls of a gallery and lay out all of your work in frames or as gallery wraps to see how the flow and layout works and make adjustments quite easily without having to mock all of this up in Photoshop or Illustrator, which is what I did for my solo show at the end of 2010, and that was just on white walls. There are a few minor changes that I'd like to see in Shoot and Sell, but I'm happy to say that when I mailed them, Ariana Fellerni, the person behind Shoot and Sell, replied in person very promptly and was very professional and open to my request. One thing that I'd like to see is a small grey stroke, a line around the inside window of the mats so that you can see where the mat ends and the image starts when using a predominantly white image. The other thing was the ability to create custom sized gallery wrap displays like triptychs and uh, at the moment you have to use preset sizes and aspect ratios because apparently they're they're in line with what you can buy uh, from you know printers but because I make them myself I, I can pretty much say you know the I can do any aspect as long as I've got the stretcher bars and so I'd love to be able to set this up and you know custom sizes and stretch the image across multiple um, multiple gallery wraps at the moment you have to add the image three times and align it uh, so another thing that I'd recommended was the ability to add add the image once and have it automatically display across multiple gallery wraps for triptychs and the like. These are mostly things that you can work around though and I'm assured that they're slated for a addition in future versions so I'm looking forward to seeing these changes. In the meantime I'm still going to enjoy using the app it's very well designed and a pleasure, not to mention a lot of fun to use. I probably should also mention too that I'm aware of a similar product named Preveal, uh, but I haven't tried it. I went with Shoot and Sell mainly because it comes with the stock wall photos and they're highly customizable. 
As far as I can tell, Prevail does not have any stock backgrounds included. If I'm wrong on this, I apologise, but I think that that's correct, at least as of April 2013. I will put a link to Prevail in the show notes as well, though, so if you want to check it out, do check it out for yourself and make your own decision. Similar to the triptychs and other display types available in Shoot and Sell, an app called Diptych enables you to create great multi-photo layouts, but more for use as a layout tool for than you know. It's basically for creating a final image than a mock-up of something to help you sell prints to a potential customer. It's a lot of fun though and easy to use. You can create all sorts of layouts and round the corners of the resulting images. You know the files that you that you export. You can have rounded corners on, which look great. And the you know I've I've put a couple of screenshots into the into the show notes. One is of the iPhone uh, UI, and basically there, what I've done is is I've I've laid out four images. Uh, two in portrait and two in uh, landscape aspect or, or orientation. And these, you know, they're basically like a brick wall, you know, staggered across. They look great and really nice for just quickly showing people what you can do. You could use it as a selling tool if you were, you know, able to create the, the sizes and the aspects in gallery wraps, I imagine. But for me, it's just a lot of fun to play around with. Note though that if you do want to adjust the aspect ratio of the overall image, you have to pay an additional 99 cents. And that's an in-app purchase again. And the base app is just 99 cents to start with. So it's no big deal, but I can't help thinking that I'd have preferred to just pay 199 to begin with and be done with it. I'm okay with paying for in-app add-ons, but this one just seems a little bit petty in my opinion. Still, Diptych is fun and works on both the iPhone and the iPad. I'll in- include screenshots for both, and they're both very easy to use, and when you're done, you can export your images in various sizes, up to 2,448 times 3,264 pixels, which is a reasonable resolution. Note too that if you do buy the aspect ratio adjustment uh, plugin, you if you buy it on one device, you can restore your purchase on another, so it's not necessary to buy that twice. Okay, so last but by no means least for today is an app that I'm absolutely head over heels in love with at the moment called Pro Camera for the iPhone. This has to be the most full-featured, customizable, and easy-to-use iPhone camera on the market. I'm not going to touch on every feature, but here are some of the main things that I love about this app. Firstly, in expert mode, you can very easily separate focusing from metering for easy exposure control. If you just tap on the screen anywhere, both the focus square and a metering circle move to where you tap. But if you drag from the center, the metering circle goes anywhere that you drag it to. A second drag from the middle 
will move the focus square. So you can place both of these anywhere on the screen that you want to. Or, of course, you can just tap anywhere just first off and then drag straight away and move the exposure circle away from the focus square. As you can see in the screenshot that I've posted on the blog, I have the metering circle on the cherry blossom trees and the focus square is on the railing of the bridge. And before you start to wonder how I got such great bucket with my iPhone, this is a photo of a photo on my computer screen. Another thing that I love is that big orientation circle in the middle of the screen. This has become standard on DSLRs pretty much, and it's great to have the same feature on the phone. It's basically so, you know, as you tilt the phone, it gives you an on-screen warning or advice or, or help uh, to make sure that you actually get it all straight. It's just, it's like a, a digital level. This also becomes a normal compass when you have the iPhone flat, either pointing downwards or upwards. I also love that you have a live histogram and all of the controls switch seamlessly between portrait and landscape orientations. The settings menu offers endless control over the camera. You can set the compression applied to the JPEG files from low to high quality and turn on rapid fire to shoot continuously at a pretty respectable frame rate. If you're okay with lower resolution images, you can also turn on high speed mode for an even faster frame rate. Pro Camera is $4.99 in the App Store, but note that this is only for the iPhone. There is a slightly older iPad app available as a separate purchase, but I haven't tried that. These comments are regarding the iPhone app only. Even just for the iPhone though, I, it, I think it's a steal at $4.99. I only wish I could have the iPhone start Pro Camera from the lock screen as I hate having to use the built-in camera from there as I sometimes do when I'm in a hurry to snap something. Okay, so that's about it. I should just mention before we finish today, and it's good timing, but we recently updated my own MVP podcast companion app with support for the Retina iPhone screen layout. And we made a few other incremental changes too, such as updating to the, to the new audio file server. So if you listen to the podcast in the app, uh, that is now fixed. Sorry for the hassle that I know a couple of you mailed me to let me know that that was broken uh, we knew about it and we were just working on a fix I guess that I should also mention that no matter how many depth of field calculators I try I honestly do still think that the one in my app is the best available and it's probably worth the 2.99 that we charge for the app all by itself Note too that we are winding down the forum at martinbaileyphotography.com and the, the spammers have won basically. We cannot keep them out. It's been a, a pretty much nightmare year for the moderators uh, trying to remove the, the spammy accounts and for the last few months we've had to turn off the new registrations 
So it's turned into a bit of a ghost town and it's a shame because it was always such a great place to hang out. The good news is that I've created a new community page on Google+. So if you use Google+, or you're okay with using Google+, I'll put a link to the community page in the show notes for this week. Uh, or just go over to Google Plus and search for it. But we, we've we already got a, a, over 100 people from the community that have joined us there. It's live, you know, we're doing uh, commenting on each other's images. I'm posting uh, notices about new podcast releases, things like that. Lots of great discussion. And it's, you know, it seems that luckily we are, we're keeping the amazing camaraderie and the the civil sort of attitude of the the old mbp community over on google plus so do join us if you want to do that i know that a lot of people have moved away from the forum because it's become this ghost town this is a great chance for us to start again and as soon as we've figured out how to do it we're going to be relaunching the monthly assignments and everything managing them all from google plus so i do hope to see you there Thanks very much for listening today. Remember that you can find me on Google Plus and Twitter and links to everything that I'm up to are on the top page at martinbaileyphotography.com. So do drop by and take a look. I'll be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, you take care and have a great week, whatever you're doing. Bye-bye.